This is the Z Code Sports Betting Podcast. Are you struggling to find success betting sports? Tired of empty promises and scams handicapping services? Wondering why Vegas sports books become richer and richer and how you could win on sports too? This podcast is what the sports investing industry truly needs an insider look into proven successful strategies. Z Code Podcast is your crash course in sports investing that destroys popular misconceptions and provides invaluable sports prediction analysis tools that you can download for free. We outline insider winning systems from experts that make a living through sports investing and explain how you can do it too. Armed with the best tools in the industry and a proper mindset, sustaining profits is easier than ever before. Welcome to Z-Code Podcast. In this episode, we have a basketball superstar, a man that has produced some pretty big profits with NBA and college basketball, and in four months, his Bear Cave system has made over 130 units just with NBA. So the legendary ride or die on Saturdays was also very exciting and very lucrative for many. Uh, Uncle Bear, if you haven't figured out who we're talking about already, is always sharing his insights, and he has definitely taught a lot of members how to make the right calls in sports betting. And with college basketball coming to an end, he is supposedly preparing his new Major League Baseball system, and we know if he gets that off the ground, it will be just as successful as the basketball systems. So I look forward to talking to him about that as well today. Bookies are terrified to go into the bear cave. Bear, thank you for being on the show today. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's our pleasure. So kind of just like everybody, if you wouldn't mind taking a minute and maybe just telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got into sports investing, maybe something like, you know, what was the first game that you bet on or won really big on? Sure. I um, see. I'm I'm from Texas. I uh, I played sports my whole life. I, I played football in college, and uh, just have always been knee deep in sports in some capacity. And I, I kind of had an interesting intro into the sports investing world. I had a friend of mine who I've known forever, and he finally told me one day that he he bets on sports, and it's it had become like an issue for him and not, not financially, but that he was such a competitor and he's married with kids and it was driving him nuts. He couldn't watch a game. He couldn't. So he asked me if I would take over his online account and just make the bets for him that he would text me, you know, and I, I was, he knew I was very into sports, but I didn't know much about lines. I'd never checked the lines or anything at that time. So by doing it, he, he was a terrible emotional gambler. And again, it was not a sad story. It wasn't a money issue, but he was awful because he would always chase and get mad. And I, I didn't know anything about it. So I started just researching everything I could and, you know, figuring out how he was messing up because I was placing his bets for him. And then pretty soon it turned into me just placing the bets and him not even involved. And we kind of worked out a deal where, we, I would get a certain percentage, and, and I just kind of ran his site for him. But that was that was kind of my my intro and my running down the rabbit hole into the sports investing world. Well, what a perfect way to start gambling with someone else's money. <laughs> well, not only, I mean, that is very true. And not only that, I felt like if you see, like, the 
like like last year on the Kansas basketball team, there was Joel Embiid, and he was the number one pick in the draft this year, this past year. And he was from Africa, and he hadn't played basketball. He didn't pick up basketball until he was like a junior in high school. So he was taught all the fundamentals at an age that he could remember them, and he didn't have any bad habits. And that was kind of what happened to me. I, I, I was, you know, old enough and aware enough to, to comprehend things, but I hadn't, I hadn't picked up any bad habits yet. So I would just go, you know, Google sports investing for dummies and then go, oh, okay, well, that's how you do it. And so I haven't really, I haven't had the problem of chasing or being an emotional. I mean, like anybody, there's those moments, but, but overall, it really helped shape my discipline, which came in big. Yeah, I mean, you're an athlete. I'm sure you're competitive, so it's hard sometimes to keep that uh, motion out of it. But it really would be exactly. a distinct advantage to learn uh, without kind of that pressure or emotional attachment to the money. It probably made you a lot more analytical. I absolutely did. I mean, especially the first part, I was really just placing bets for him without making my pick, but I would in, you know, inevitably do it myself on the side just to see and it really got me into crunching numbers and I was always I didn't have a math background but I was always into that kind of thing and and it, it just turned me on to that whole side of it and then I started seeing the patterns that we've all seen you know that it kind of I mean that triggered me finding Z code you know just the, when you fall down the rabbit hole of crunching numbers the bottom of that rabbit hole is Zico. <laughs> I love that. Well, you did a really great job already with football. You killed it with basketball. Um, I've heard that you're you're working on this Major League Baseball system. What so far has been your favorite sport to invest in? To me, it's the NBA, and and I, I think I think I I mean, there's different benefits obviously to everything i don't know nhl that well at all so there's some great guys on z code that i would follow religiously and not even I, you know before i got on z code i could maybe name two nhl players so now i know there's hockey but i would never you know have my own picks the mlb just the volume of it is probably the most profitable but nba to me is I don't want to say easy because it's not, but it's the it, to me I, it it's the most consistent, even if it's inconsistent, because the guys are just total professionals, and you can kind of track when a, a team will play with full effort or not, and that's usually in the NBA the difference is you know travel and back to backs and guys' effort. And once you get a hang of that playing with a spread in the NBA really can be lucrative. Hey, your ride or die Saturday has really kind of taken off, been on fire the last few weeks. Do you mind taking a minute and tell us a little bit more about that system? Yeah, well, the, the ride or die was an NCAA basketball, and I, I, it actually started as a joke because I, I, I do – most of my systems are, are volume. Like I, I would like to – I look at it this way. If I, if, if I have a – you know, if I told you you had to pay me eleven dollars every time a quarter landed on heads, but I give you ten dollars every time it lands on tails, that you wouldn't do that. You know, fifty a fifty fifty shot, you're going to end up losing money. But if I can get that edge to like fifty five percent, then you would just flip that quarter all day long. 
And so I want to do that with my plays. And I want to, I would love to hit 55%, 57% and just have as many bets that fit my system as possible. So the NCAA basketball gets crazy. I mean, Saturday there's 200 something, you know, 150, 180 games. And I, I, one of the first Saturdays, I think I, I told P, I warned everybody. I was like, I, you know, I might have like 40 plays and you know, either ride with me or die with me and and then it just kind of stuck and it it turned into saturday's a, a really good there's a stretch of the season where it's a great day to fade the public because it saturday's mainly during the regular season the only day the public is heavy and there's so many games that the books can't possibly have every line set correctly and you can really i had some days that i think we had a day that i I think I hit 78% going, you know, playing 38 games or something ridiculous. The the it it, it it turned into something very fun, but it was very chaotic. I mean, it, you know, it started at nine in the morning on the West Coast and was till 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's an interesting approach about those really busy Saturdays. Uh, with that in mind, which Z code tools do you find yourself using the most for your selections? I think, I think what initially brought me to Z-Code was the line reversal tool. And that to me, forever, I mean, I, I, I probably have become one of those, you know, curmudgeons that doesn't want to change because I found that and then I just, that was it. I didn't, I, it took me about a month before I explored the rest of Z-Code and realized, oh, there's a lot of other stuff here. Because that, that to me was what I was Googling trying to find, you know, live real-time odds and where some money was coming in and that you can't find that uh, without you know some special club that you're in i mean just kind of like zico but I, I was able to find that first before i even became a member so that became my bread and butter and then now to be honest with you the I, i'm a little different than a lot of the guys on there i think i think my most used and favorite thing about zico is the community on the wall that that's really not only just on a personal level everyone's really friendly and and um it's fun and interesting and global but everyone there's a lot of really smart people and i'm learning a lot so I, you kind of get to where you you recognize the patterns of the lines you, you know in these games there's so many there's some in these seasons there's so many games that I, I can probably look at the, you know, the oscillation tool, for example, and know what it's going to be before I go check it, just because everyone's talking and, and I've, you know, played every game for the last two months and you just kind of get a feel for it. So a long answer for your question, but I, I would say the line reversal tool is probably the one that I would use the most. Okay. And you were talking about these really busy Saturdays, uh, at least that one that you had the uh, 70-some percent. Uh, what yeah, that, that lasted. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I was saying that that lasted for about eight Saturdays in a row, I believe, of the NCAA season. It Once we got close to the NCAA tournament, it got a little bit trickier. Just the, Vegas sort of tightened up the lines a little bit. But the those eight, probably from January, mid-January to March, you know, early January to mid-January to March is a high-volume games on Saturday with lots of, for lack of a better word, ignorant public money, and 
you know, the, they're not betting during the week. So they're coming on a Saturday and throwing their money around. And you can really take advantage of it's conference games. So they're going to be tough. You know, when a Minnesota plays a Wisconsin, the average public better doesn't couldn't tell you what Minnesota you know is about at all. But they know Wisconsin's ranked and that kind of thing. So you can just look. You can find those lines, and, and a lot of it was betting on underdogs that didn't win but covered. And and that's scary for the public. You know, to have a team that you're betting on that, that most likely isn't going to win the game. So th- that ended up being something that that worked out very well for, you know, and like I said, I called it ride or die because I would always reiterate when we make some good problems, it might be two in the afternoon and you've made 15 units, it might be time to, to die, just jump off the, <laughs> the train. I'm going to keep going, but, you know, I, it, I hope some people jumped off when we got up real big and then it just kind of, you know, like everything kind of came back to the norm a little bit. Yeah, go out on a high note. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said uh, with uh, March approaching, and then Vegas started tightening the lines up and everything. Uh, what can you kind of tell us about March Madness? What were your results there? Yeah, you know, March Madness. This it, it, it's been, I think, a product of the talent level in, in college basketball just isn't that good because of one and dones, and, and the NBA's taking a lot of young talent out of college. So the public teams, the favorites, are actually much better. There's a, there's, it's, it's kind of conflicting. There's some parity overall, like in a conference, but once you get to those tournaments, the cream rises, or at least it has lately. And it, it was much better for the, in the tournament to play the favorites. And that took me some getting used to, too. So there's a little adjustment there, but once you kind of figure that out, you can ride that a little bit. But the NCAA tournament was definitely pretty favorite and public heavy, even if it was an underdog, a public favorite. So that was a little different than what the regular season was like. And I think the the books tightened up. I think they might have been getting hit pretty hard with sharps on the dogs uh, during the regular season. And so they kind of tightened that up a little bit and, and tried to put them more on the button than they had been, which made it a little more difficult. But it was still still a fun fun tournament and not quite as successful as the regular season, but a lot of fun. Uh, you started that answer talking about uh, the quality of some of the college players. Is there any players that you think we should be looking at or any that are real promising? Well, yeah, I mean, I, the usual suspects that everyone, you know, the, the Jahil Okafors and and the Carl Anthony Towns that are going to be the top draft picks. You know, Justice Winslow is all these guys that everyone knows. I think it's tricky, though, because we really haven't seen him play that much. And a guy like Okafor is a gigantic beast in college, and he won't be in the NBA uh, physically. So he needs to either, you know, turn into Shaq and really put on some weight or get a, work really hard and get a lot more athletic. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I, I would think he would be really very good in the NBA, but since we don't get a chance to see them play that much, you know, for a year, it's hard to, I think that's part of the big problem with both NBA and college is that the NBA is getting guys that aren't ready yet and they're getting their first contract and they're not that well. They might change teams and they turn into good players because they're finally 21 years old. 
And in college, you've got a team like Duke that had three freshmen, or four even, but three that started that were key members of that team. You know, and that I think if you went back, even to like the, you know, like the Duke team of the early 90s with Christian Leitner, they would crush this team. You know, I mean, they can't compete with a, with a team of 22-year-olds that have played for four years that are all going to the NBA also. So it's just a totally different animal, and probably a lot more. You know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not the expert in in the draft, but I, I think it made the NBA draft a lot more difficult for everybody because it's too hard to tell. Yeah, well, speaking of the NBA, I, I here recently you kind of proposed some uh, somewhat cool ideas to make the NBA All Star Weekend a little bit more interesting. Um, I think it was something like playing against non-NBA players. Do you mind talking about that? Yeah, that was more about the the dunk contest and even like the three-point contest. But the, the dunk contest, for sure, I think, I mean, it's, you know, I'm in my 30s. So I, I grew up watching, you know, like I caught a little bit of Jordan's dunk contest. But, but it used to be, first off, it used to be a big deal when you missed a dunk. And now it doesn't even matter. So that it almost makes it moot to watch it and there's some great dunkers online you know they can't dribble but they can jump out of the gym and dunk and it would be really interesting to see if you just had one wild card entry from i mean i think you could do a couple i think you could have a fan entry that you send in youtube videos for the first half of the season and pick the best fan dunker and then pick the best like there's an and one league where it's just you know a bunch of guys running around jumping and dunking and having fun and they really athletic so you could pick one of those guys too, and I think that would they would definitely want to win, and that might make the NBA players not want to lose, and it might make the dunk contest pretty exciting. And I think you could do the same for the three point contest. Although that was that was it's pretty cool to see like Steph Curry go bananas and make everything he shoots. But the dunk contest especially, I think it would be interesting to throw in some non-NBA players that are very good dunkers because those exist all over the world and it might bring out the competitive juices a little bit. Absolutely. And it would give it a little bit of that Rocky Balboa feel to the story. (laughs) Uh, Do you have a candidate for MVP? I think it's, I I mean, I'm pretty sure it'll be James Harden. I I think that Steph Curry will, it'll be between those two is I would most certainly guess. And, um, I got to think that Harden, it depends on how you would define MVP, but I mean, the Rockets would be a disaster without James Harden. The, you know, Steph Curry's played great and they're awesome and they're, but I just, they still might be decent. I and mean, the Rockets wouldn't make the playoffs without James Harden, I don't think. And my, I mean, I'm a diehard San Antonio Spurs fan, so I'd like to throw Kawhi Leonard in the ring, but the, that's not happening. So I'd say James Harden would would probably be the MVP. Okay. Well, Adam Silver has discussed uh, some potential changes to the playoff system. Uh, Do you think that he's going to change the schedule to allow the players more rest? Um, And if you think that that's what it's going to be, you were kind of talking about earlier, it's easy to predict uh, the team that's going to be kind of wore out because they're on the road and different things. So do you think those modifications will be beneficial to the games, to the players, and how is it going to affect you as a better? Yeah, I think 
I definitely think something, I don't know when, but something will change with the schedule because guys are sitting out, you know, uninjured. There's a lot more rest going on. And it makes sense, you know, these are owners have invested a lot of money in these players and they don't want them hurt, especially for the playoffs. And so I could see some sort of rejiggering of the schedule to not, and right now it's done that way for television. So I don't know if they can have less games, but maybe they can lengthen the season with the same games. Um, that would definitely change betting patterns for sure. I think that um, it would be a wild card that would have to wait and see what happened because I know that you know there are games. I have friends that play in the NBA and work in the NBA, and, and there are games that they show up and – will tell you we're not going to win tonight you know and it's not like they're doing it on purpose it's just after five years of playing in the league they know that a tuesday night game in milwaukee is not going to be fun and if you had three days off before that you know that might change everything or you might not have practiced between the you know so it, i think a new routine would have to pop up and that would be something i, I would want to keep an eye on I, I probably wouldn't jump right into the mix on it until I saw how they, they played out. But it, it would be interesting. I think they're, they're going to have to with, with guys sitting out so much at some point. I mean, LeBron took two weeks off, and, you know, he was banged up, but he wasn't injured. So that's the best player in the league, just, like, taking off to Miami to play golf. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've kind of alluded to a couple times that you're developing a new Major League Baseball system. Uh, do you mind taking a minute tell us a little bit about that? Um which parameters you think are going to be most important, how many games per day you bet, and things of that nature? Sure. I, I am kind of I'm deciding on uh, – it's tricky. It's, it's my first kind of year of having anyone follow a pick that I make. So it, that adds a little element that is, is new for me that of lines moving and what time to post them and what, at what odds should I look for because – I really take it personally that someone else might put their money behind it. So I want to make sure that, you know, I'm giving them the best opportunity to win because I really don't like it when I win, but yet someone else following me wasn't able to follow and followed a different game and lost. I mean, that, that just is not fun. So I'm still playing around with the MLB. What would be the best way to do that? But I think I'm also a huge non-juice fan i i want to i hate juice and i want to bet money line on the underdogs and maybe the run line and on the favorites and a lot of it would be i mean i always start with an anti-public point of view and i have specific filters within that but that would be probably my starting point in professional sports i you can take a public favorite because um, I think in professional sports, a better team is going to win a lot. But I would just err to the side of being anti-public once it hits certain parameters. And then my decision now is just, you know, if it's an underdog, am I doing it on the plus one and a half run line or am I doing it on the money line? And a lot of that would depend on where the line is and where it's moved from. So right now I'm taking about two weeks and I just track the lines at multiple books, you know, and, and, and uh, the opening odds, the closing odds, and crunch a little, a few numbers, and 
see the results. And I've done it the last couple of years, so I, I know I have a general idea of what it'll end up at. But like I said, I want to make sure the ones I'm posting are easy to follow and are also profitable. So I just want to give it another week or so. But I, I'm playing them now on my own and, and, and doing pretty well. And I, and I just today posted uh, my first game of the season. So it would be another high volume. Just baseball is another one of those that has, you know, 15 games a day for five months. So it, it, if I can get, I would much rather hit, you know, 53% of my plays at underdog odds and bet 500 of them in a season than hit 70% of my favorites. You know, I think that with no juice and with, with high volume, you can make really good money. And that would be my, that's what I do personally, and that would be what I'd like to post. Yeah, and I, I really like when I talk to you guys, and I really appreciate when I hear you talking about how important it is and how passionate you are that the guys that follow you and follow your systems and your tips uh, win. And I think that's something that makes the Zico community just so much better and so personal because you guys are really serious about that. Um, you're not just throwing stuff out there to try to impress others, but you really care about each other um, and you really care about the respect from each other and, and really about helping people out. And I think that's what sets it apart from really anywhere else. And kind of on that note, if you wouldn't mind, uh, I know a lot of the guys that come into the Zico community are new and they're kind of introduced to it from the podcast or they start out listening to the podcast to, to kind of navigate their way. Uh, would you mind just kind of as a way of parting, I guess, maybe giving some words of wisdom about sports investing and the Zico community for the first time or the newbies? Sure. And, and on, on just to backtrack one second on the, what, what you mentioned about the community of Zico and, and everyone wanting to help each other, I, I, I want to say that there are great tools on Zico and that alone is worth it. But the reason I, go every day is because of the community and and i it's so weird to say that but i've never met anybody there we talk on on the wall but it's it's just a a a very helpful fun environment that not only can you learn stuff and make money but everyone's very very friendly and everyone supports each other And, and i would rather have a pick that won for someone else than win for me on that and it's just because over time I've gotten to know everybody, and I think there's a lot of people like that. So that is a is a big big bonus for me as far as Zico is concerned. But the advice that I'd give coming to Zico is it it's immediately overwhelming at first because everybody is winning and everybody's throwing out their picks, and you just get there and you're you see all this and you're blown away. And if you hop on in the middle of that, you might lose. And if you jump on, you know, seven or eight or nine people's picks, you you probably will lose because you're jumping in the middle of systems and all that kind of stuff. So there's a couple of new people that have in the last couple of months that have come on that we've all kind of thrown out, you know, the paper betting angle that that is mentioned in the in the the opening video and all that. That is, I kind of took it with a grain of salt, but it absolutely 110% would be the way to go. You. I would definitely suggest paper betting for a week or two, you know, that's placing a bet on paper and not putting, risking any money. 
following the wall as much as if you have time i mean i'm a writer so i'm on the wall all day and that helped a lot the just reading what people are doing seeing systems you know one person's systems might be high volume you know with no juice and another person's might be low volume but but low odds and so you need to figure that out and how that would fit your bankroll so taking time to learn that and to see where your bankroll would fit in the Z code world to me is crucial because once you do that then making money honestly is, is not very difficult but that first step to, to get there is, is difficult because everyone's winning so you'll be paper betting for two weeks while everyone's saying you know and you're watching it happen I mean I it's not made up I mean I'm what I remember when I started I'm watching people post their bets before the game starts watching them win and you know that happens a hundred times a day and if you're paper betting that can get a little that will test your discipline but it's worth it yeah I mean it's no different than than investing really in traditional stock market anywhere else you've got to kind of find your temperament um, some people, depending on your your age and your bankroll size and uh, different factors, your temperament, um, you might be really aggressive. You might be looking for you know short wins. You might be looking for something long term, steady and conservative and safe. Uh, but you got to kind of figure out what your style is, what your natural niche is, and then find someone who is successful at it and kind of model their behavior until you develop your own voice in it. Absolutely. I mean, that that to me is the key because one person's ideal system is another person's nightmare. So, I mean, not literally, but it might be like what you're saying. So if someone's more aggressive and someone else is, you know, very, very slow and steady, that's not a good marriage. And you, you'll you'll pick that up very quickly by just paper betting and following, you know, even a week. You'll see what everyone does and, and get a feel for it and be able to make you know, pick one or two or three people, depending on your bankroll, and uh, sticking with them or learning, you know, and then also in the meantime, playing around with the Z code tools. I mean, there's a lot of stuff on there that I don't know, you know, I haven't been able to explore as much as I'd like to that I still do on downtime and fiddle around with. And there's always new angles, there's always something. So the more you, I mean, it's just like you said, like anything, the more you can learn. I mean, I don't think a lot of people are coming on here as a hobby, even the, even if it is a you know not their full time job. But in my idea, my point of view would be then to learn everything you possibly can, you know, and to to dig into it. I mean, I want to know. I couldn't tell you anything about soccer, but I do know how to bet on soccer. I know the gen, you know I started keeping track of who's who just because when someone I trust puts a play up there I want to know how to go a find it I mean something as simple as going to find the right league you know you just these these, these little research things that you can do along the way that make life easier in the in the invest in the sports investing world for sure yeah absolutely bear as always you've given us a lot of great information today uh, really appreciate it thank you so much for sharing and uh, I took a little longer than I told you I would, so I'm going to let you turn those Zico notifications back on and enjoy the bear cave again. All right. Thank you so much, Scott. I really appreciate it. 
Thank you for listening to our Z-Code Sports Betting Podcast, where insider systems, secrets, and tools are revealed to help you win on sports betting. If you have a comment or question, make sure to visit us at www.zcodesystem.com. Download our free sports prediction tools and join our VIP club to follow winning systems from people who make a living betting sports professionally. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. See you next time.